You're listening to episode 70 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chipper. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Friday, April 1st. But this is not an April Fool's show, and there will be no April Fool's jokes oh, in this episode because April Fool's is cursed, and I hate it. Uh, th- the internet ruined April's Fool's Day, right? It, did. Like, it really did. It ruined it. Yeah. Yes. So I am, a, and I am a gullible person, and. <laughs> Yes, I just do not like April Fool's. So this is, despite the fact that we were recording on April Fool's, this is not an April Fool's podcast. (laughs) Um, Uh, Before we get to news, I have a very important question for you, Preeti. uh Where were you when Flash entered the Speed Force? (laughs) Literally my favorite thing that has ever happened, I think, and that I hope never goes away, is just the absurdity of all of that uh it's incredible i can't say that line without laughing no it's so funny and i think the funniest thing is like people who didn't watch that like i i I, like tweeted something about that where i was like that's something i like to know to get to know people like where were you when the Mm -hmm. flash entered the speed force and people who didn't watch the oscars were like genuinely answering my question which was so sweet and funny They're like, I mean, that's kind of a weird thing to ask, but I'll tell you. Yeah. (laughs) I honestly don't remember because that movie did not leave an imprint on me. I still haven't seen it. Oh, is it? It's specifically the Snyder Cut, right? Yep. I see. I haven't seen that. I've seen the the first one, the original, I guess. Yeah, the the theatrical, whatever. Yes. Yeah, no, I've not seen either version. And it extremely funny to me just extremely funny how much that fan favorite thing backfired on the oscars (laughs) yep this is what you do Uh, when you open stuff up to internet voting like this is what happens didn't they learn anything from Bodie mcboatface yeah 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 (laughs) yeah um that is i think the extent of our oscar conversation yes Yep. Um, but for news, so just a few things. Um, yesterday we found out, we, this was very funny to me, like Obi-Wan is, I guess, moving two days to Friday and they're going to drop two episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I, it I'm was not, yeah, prim- it was. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was going to premiere. I don't remember. On Wednesday the 25th, I believe. And now it's going to be Friday the 27th. But didn't they do this with – I feel like they did this with Loki where they were like had a premiere yeah. date and then they did – so now I'm like this is just like a marketing thing. Yeah, um, I'm like why would you delay it two days and then make a big deal about delaying it two days? Like, It's just to get another like beat in the news cycle I feel like. Um, that would make sense. They're just like, okay. And it's if it's only – what did we say? Six episodes or eight episodes? That sounds right. Yeah. It's right? not very long. So two of those are going to be out on that first day. So they're cutting mm-hmm. it also. Maybe they always – they probably always planned for this. Yeah, and Just you and I pointed out release. that uh, that it would be up against Ms. Marvel and maybe yes. part of the plan was to yeah. not have them up so against each other as much. Because I think mm-hmm. Ms. Marvel premieres in like mid-June. Something like that. It's like early mid-June. So there is yeah. definitely going to be some overlap, but – they're, I guess, probably trying to minimize that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that just happened. I just thought it was really funny that they did a big announcement for it. Like, Ewan came out and, like, did a video. And it just, like, I was like, oh, yeah, Tom Hiddleston did this with Loki, too, when they yeah. moved Loki's premiere date or whatever date Loki was releasing. Um, 
also this week I'm very excited because Young Justice is freaking finally back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There we've been on a mid-season break since December, I think. Either December oh. or January. Yeah, it's been a, a long, long time. Uh, and they dropped three episodes yesterday, which of course watched them all immediately because I have no self-control. And I just, it's like comparing the writing when you're seeing what they're doing with the writing, which is so thoughtful and so smart. And like, I just am like, why can't everybody do this? Like, look, mm-hmm. we have a we have a blueprint for how to do things. And they, it's upsetting to me. <laughs> um, and then the last thing we just want to mention very briefly, I think, because you haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched it yet. No. Is Bridgerton season two came out. Right. On... Has it been a week already? Good God. It was last weekend, I think, right? It's that seems okay. that seems right. Right? That's wild. First of all, what is time? Um, but we wanted to mention it briefly because the second season, of course, focuses on the Sharma sisters. Uh and the lead is Simone Ashley is the lead romantic interest against season one's Jonathan Bailey or Anthony Bridgerton. Um, and they're very desi. They are like, this is not uh, sort of like cookie cutter Hollywood Hollywood version of Daisy. Like they are very Daisy in terms of representational beats. There is some confusion, I think, which I am excited for you to watch because I think we're going to laugh about it. Um, just it, there are signifiers that I think those of us in the community will recognize. And there's some confusion in the show as to what signifiers go where is what I'll say. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. I, I will say as much as I am actually not in the K3G like uh, hive, the Kabi Kushi Kabi Gum hive, I really liked their weird string instrumental cover of it. it was a very sweet moment. And it was like pretty cool to hear because I do like that song. Um, yeah. I like the so songs yeah. in that movie generally. That movie's a lot, but I, I like feel like it's funny because I think people like it's one of my sister's favorite Bollywood movies. I didn't see it when I was little. I didn't mm-hmm. see it until I was an adult. And so when I watched it, I was like, I don't like this. Yeah, that makes sense. Like for me, Kuch Kuch Hotahe is that. Like yes. I've been watching yes. that movie since I was like 10 years Agreed. old or something. And like that, and I watch it now, I'm like, this is a bad movie. Absurd. But like I have that nostalgia. Whereas like K3G came out when I think I was like late high school maybe. That sounds uh, right. Mid, it's a very early school. It was movie. old enough to be like, mm. this is a little cringe. Mm. Yeah. But the little, music's great. Little cringe. Music is great. Little cringe. Um, but it, it was actually funny to me that they went with K3G instead of like DDLJ. Yeah. yeah no, I, cause like you told me that. And also that song while good is not like the most famous of those title no. songs. Like Kuch Kuch Hotehe is a much more, although a cubby, the, 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 the meaning of that song probably yeah and the to, like to the, family to the dynamics yeah yeah fine it makes thematic sense i was just surprised and it makes thematic sense of where it takes place and the, where they put it because i was like waiting the whole time i was watching the show i was like waiting for the instrumental version to pop up and it makes sense but i still was yeah. like you don't want to go with like yeah, like just, just yeah. Yeah, like I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, but you know, we. I think if you decide to watch it, that's something we can maybe chat briefly about on a future yeah. episode. It was just very interesting. 
Um, today, of course, we yes. are talking. Yes. Two two uh, massive shows. We'll very yep. quickly start with Moon Knight, I think, and then get into Picard episodes three through five, right? Yep. Uh, uh, Moon Knight. So what, what did you think? Is Oscar Isaac? Yeah, it's. Yes. Oh my god, it was fantastic. <laughs> Actually, I I did not. Okay, so my history with Moon Knight is I have no history with Moon Knight. <laughs> While I like I I am aware the character exists, I know literally nothing about him. Despite the fact that it's kind of a weird, I know like it's weird, but that's right. all I know. So my I went into this blind, which I have very rarely gone into anything. Marvel without some sort of backstory or some sort of connection mm-hmm. to the character. Like usually at least even if I haven't like directly read the comics, they've showed up in, you know, a run I've read or they've, you know, I have some sort of, but Moon Knight, I literally had nothing because I've never read the comics. It's not a character that's used a lot mm-hmm. in other comics. Yeah. So I knew nothing and I absolutely loved it. And I will say, I think the reveal of the costume at the end of episode one was one of the coolest reveals in Marvel, like, period. No, I agree with you. I'm, I did read, I think, I want to say I read the 2014 Moon Knight run. Um, I think, like, Declan Shelby, Jordi Belair are the names that are coming into my head. Um, I read that, and so I was, like, very loosely, and it's been a long time. I did not revisit anything in preparing to watch this show, because I was like, I'm not doing homework to watch this show. But, yeah. I have a very vague recollection, a recollection of like the strangeness of it, the sort of like mysticism of it and and that aspect, but nothing where I could point to is like, oh, I recognize that. Oh, I know who that like none of that. None of that occurred yeah. while I was watching this. But I agree with you. I really, really enjoyed that first episode. I thought Oscar Isaac is great. There, There's like a horror mm-hmm. element to it, which is quite yes. frightening, right? That yes. The, the, the plague doctor stuff. thing, yeah, oh. or like you know, with the plague doctor. Ma- it's not a plague doctor. Yeah. I think it's like it's. I think it's, it's supposed of- to be like an Egyptian god, but like, yeah. oh, it was creepy, very scary. And of course, this notion of like uh, Stephen Grant, who is the English accented version of Oscar Isaac's character, is losing time, doesn't know what's going on, and the camera work and the sort of like plotting of it are we're with him right we also yes don't know what's going on I really liked that whole thing of like where he'd like sort of like go to sleep wake up mid-action and you're like yeah uh, it puts you with him versus with Mark who is the other guy I guess yeah and if we're using Hulk terms Mark is the other guy right yeah um I know much was said about Oscar Isaac's English accent mm-hmm Obviously, it is now we realize it's serving a purpose. I think it works. I did not. Like, I I was just like, okay, I'm just reserved. Like, I was just like, I don't even have anything to contribute to this, like, this, like, discourse. So I just, like, was like, okay, I'm just going to, like, step out. And it. uh, I am glad I did not contribute because, actually, it works really well. Yeah, I agree with you. I th- at first in the episode started, I was like, man, they're getting every like Britishism that they can into like one sentence. Yeah. What is happening? It was like, in it, cheers, brilliant, you know, all these like things. And I was like, what is going on right now? But he's supposed to be that quintessence. Exactly. Like he's supposed to be that and it works really well. And I think it's it's a it's a real testament to Oscar Oscar Isaac's acting to where in that last scene when he like goes from Stephen to Mark. And like Ooh. the 
just like oh my god I, like i like i want to go back and like rewatch that scene right now because like yes i know like Preeti's like 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 i don't know flailing like, shaking <laughs> her arms because like it's just like oh, uh, like like it's flailing <laughs> yes it's so good and like ethan hawk who i knew was in it yes. but i knew nothing about his role um was just fantastic like he He's was very so good, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am really excited <laughs> about this show. I'm really excited that it's finally a property within the MCU that does not, it could exist outside the MCU and would still yes. be like, this could exist outside the MCU. There, it, there's no reason that this needs to be in the MCU. Like in terms of just, they're Continuity doing their own and, thing with storytelling. Yes. And it, it it's just, it's just something different it stands alone and i'm sure at some point it will relate back to the larger mcu but i don't know actually because i guess oscar isaac's contract is actually just specific to this first season like he i saw that right like generally these like um, marvel movies and these stars who sign up for marvel movies their contracts like have all these stipulations of like you'll do this and then you'll also do like this many appearances and this many other projects or like whatever it is and oscar isaac (laughs) bless him I feel like was like I'm not doing that <laughs> yeah um, and so it's just and, this one season of six episodes and I feel like like this is what you and I have been asking for in the MCU yeah. the ability to tell stories within this universe that aren't related to the overall plot of yeah. the overarching plot of the MCU somebody said in my mentions and I, I wish I knew who it was because I think they were absolutely right uh was like this is what I wanted the Eternals to be, but it yes. couldn't be because it had to be so MCU. Yes. And I agree with that. I think that's ab- that's a fair characterization. Yeah, that's a solid call. I, I think that's, yeah. Because it is, I don't need, I don't need at least one episode, granted, one episode in. I don't need to see Moon Knight hanging out with anybody, right? Like yeah. this, the tone is so unique and the like story is so unique that it's not, this isn't about Moon Knight, the like jokey, funny MCU hero. This is going to be mm-hmm. an intriguing, just through line of story, which is yeah. really, really exciting. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see where they take it. Like, I was hooked the whole first episode, and I am, I'm really, really happy that this is right. Like, I just, it makes me like feel like I know because it's not a feel good show, but it like makes me feel good that like this is so good. Well, it's taking advantage. What's interesting is it's taking advantage of a character like Moon Knight who is so unique and does really have his own story in the comics. Like, yes, yes, there are comics where Moon Knight is referenced. Moon Knight shows up and deals with the other heroes. It's Marvel. We know that. But unlike something like, you know, Spider-Man or Daredevil or, you know, anyone who's on a team, anyone who is on the Avengers, like where there is an inevitable sort of like, they are going to have to interact with other heroes because of their characterization yeah. and their story. Moon Knight doesn't have that baggage, and it makes me excited for what Marvel could do with all of these other characters they have that yes, could exist outside of their like mass platform storytelling. And I also think that the way they've written this story, it makes sense that there are no other heroes showing up. Like, cause like with Hawkeye, you're like, if they're having a battle in the middle of Rockefeller center, like where is, why aren't like, right? where is every, like they're having like, this, like this story is very subtle. Nobody else knows what's going on besides yeah. him. You know, like it's, 
it makes sense that yeah. no one else is there and he's dealing with this on his own. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so yeah, more to come, I think. I think we both really liked the first episode. We're definitely going to keep watching. Uh, yeah. And so we'll we'll likely be sort of doing the same thing where we're like in tandem kind of talking Moon Knight a little bit and Picard while Picard yeah. while they're sort of ongoing at the same time. And then we'll move on to Obi-Wan because we're just oh going to be podcasting God. for like the rest of our lives. Seriously. It's just, like Obi-Wan. It's going to be Marvel. a lot. And then... And, and then wasn't there a reason you needed to watch? It wasn't there a reason you were said you were going to watch Star Trek: Strange New Worlds? It's like somebody. Oh, it's uh, somebody from Teen Wolf or something. Is oh yeah, playing Captain on Kirk. It. Oh, not Teen Wolf, Vampire Diaries. Vampire Paul Diaries. Wesley. Okay. Paul Wesley. Yes, Paul Wesley is playing Captain Kirk on Strange Star Trek: Strange New I love Worlds. Him. <laughs> I'm really excited they're bringing in Kirk. Um, I'm really excited <laughs> what they're doing with this show. Yeah, but like I remember you texted me, you're like, oh no, I'm gonna have to watch this show. I'm gonna watch that but show. The, the good news about Strange New Worlds, I think, is it's going to be very episodic. There might be overarching stories, but it's going to be very episode to episode. So you can kind okay. my guess is you'll be able to drop in and drop out with the episodes you want to, which as much as I love, like I love what's going on with TV. I love these longer stories, but I do miss like sometimes like, sort of like Monster not of having, the Week, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what it is supposed to be, Alien and Planet of the Week. Like, that's the Great. whole point of the show. So I'm we excited about it. it. Anyways. There's so, yeah, um, but that that is another thing, right? So much upcoming. Yeah. So much, like, I think, and oh, it's like, Batman, I wanted to say, drops on HBO Max on April 19th. Are you kidding? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> It. We'll watch it and then decide. We're absolutely going to talk about it. I was just like, more content? Are you kidding? Like, more. More. Okay. Well, we'll schedule after we finish recording this episode, we'll schedule that episode because I have a feeling we're going to want to talk about it. I do too. I can't wait to talk about emo Bruce Wayne. Although I am really glad that that window is really short. Like, that's really nice. Right? I know. I looked it up because I had, someone had mentioned to me that they thought it was coming to streaming soon. I was like, it just came out. Like, when is it? Because mm-hmm. I do want to see it. But yeah, I, I looked too. it up. It, it, April 19th is what the internet says. So hopefully that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. okay. So now to the main crux of our episode, which is Picard. Picard. Three, three through five. five. So we're talking about episodes... Uh, the uh, episode Assimilation, Fly, uh, Watcher, and Fly Me to the Moon. Those are the mm-hmm. three episodes we're talking about. Um, and they were very intense. Um, I got a lot of texts from you about it. I was just like, I hate this. I hate this. I had to pause it. I hate it. I am um, upset. Even though you didn't hate it. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I was just speaking of like genre TV shows taking advantage of horror. Yes. Like, yeah. Which is interesting that this is really leaning into horror. Um, like, very horror light. It's not like, I'm sure horror, actual horror fans are all like, mm. but like for you and me who are a little bit weenies, a little yes. bit like, we it's, don't it's partake scary. in that genre. Yeah, it is. They're taking it, they are taking like horror tropes and using them, right? Like mm-hmm. the whole. Which we'll get into, but the whole scene with the board queen escaping and like the lights flickering and like uh, Agnes doesn't know what's going on, and then the light flickers and the board queen's there staring at her. Like that's horror. That is like yeah, yeah. But and okay, that let's... does draw from like that does draw from basically first contact, which is when I think they yes. first started doing yes. that. Like that's how that sh- which is a scary that movie. movie. 
it is a scary, very scary movie. Um, okay, yeah, let's start with um, the way they started this episode assimilation is very weird. I understand why they did it, but where they choose to chose to cut it off, it would have made a lot more sense to me to just have a longer episode two and a shorter episode three. Yeah, and it was end very episode funny. two, right? End episode two when they're going back in time to make like episode two, three kind of a clean break. I feel like they wanted, I think something that I noticed that has happened, and it happens a few times, um, is sort of fabricated tension a little bit. Like they need tension to happen with everybody, but the most, the people who are having actual tension are like Agnes and Picard. But they need Rafi and um, Chris and, and everyone to be going through equal tension. So it's sort of fabricated a little bit. So like the end of episode two is that cliffhanger where like the evil confederation people show up and they're like, we're going to kill you. And then it cuts off. And then episode three starts and it sort of gets, it ends very quickly and they all, all it's three immediately of like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, uh, it was, yeah. So I was just, I agree with you. And I think that's why it irritates me because I think the show is tense enough without, you don't need having it. that manufacture tension and the story is good enough to where we can, we will come back. Anybody who's watching it is going to come back to it. Nobody's going to be like, Oh, now they're going back in time and I don't need to see, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, no, it's I a agree. good, it's a good show. It's a, we don't need that, but moving past that, something very sad happens at the end of the I beginning of episode three. Very upset about this. Yes. Elnor dies. What he the does. hell? Yeah. What, the, what, what, why I'm, Mm, you already took away hot emo Romulan and now you're taking away hot elf Romulan. And I don't understand why they are targeting me in this way. Um, So I think his death has, ser- I think it, I think it is serving a purpose. I think it's going to be, I think I, like, it, I think it's going to be basically Picard again, making a casual choice to sacrifice somebody. And well, it's not casual. but you know what I mean it seems very just like he makes decisions about what who lives and who dies and I think that that's a through line of the whole season but yeah it was I was just like wait what what I think what's hard here is there's a lot of focus on Jurati in these next few episodes in a way Mm -hmm. that feels repetitive to season one Yes, I, yes, let's get, we'll, we'll get into that. Yes. And it feels like they're sacrificing a character I would have liked to have known more about and gone more in depth with in Elnor for sort of repetitive plotting with another sort of like tiered character. And I yes, think I agree with that. there's also frustration coming there, right? Yeah. Gerardi is arguably a, Alison Pill's a fantastic actress. I'm not trying so to good. trying to she's arguably the least interesting of all of them. And she's in some ways getting the most after Picard getting the most Yes. The best story. And as you said, it's very repetitive of the previous season story where she was taken over by the Zatvash or whatever. And here we are again and it's like, um, I I don't know yeah. that I care about, I don't know that I care as much as they want me to care about her yes. emotional state of mind. Yes. 
that I, I think that's a great way to put it because I do care. I do like the character. I think sure. what they have done with her this season is much better than what they did with her last season. That being said, I would feel a lot more strongly about it if it this were like seven, for example. Right. Like I think seven. And it would make actually this, now that I think about it, make more sense that it like was seven. She has the relationship with the Borg that it would be interesting to have to listen to her sort of like that's a, that to me is a moral conundrum where yeah. Seven hates the Borg, has a reason to hate the Borg, but if the Borg Queen's the only reason you, the only way you can get back, what do you do? Like that to yeah. me is far more interesting than sort of this like Gerardi, like you're gonna be alone forever. Like uh, every yeah. instance, every uh, every interaction she had with a character belied that thing that the Borg yeah. Queen said. Right, so there's no real. There's no real tension there for me in terms of like if she believed the Borg Queen, I would be like, you're this is annoying. Like this is mm-hmm. annoying because I am watching the other characters care about you. I'm watching yeah. the other characters ask after you and recognize you and all of those things. So okay, I guess we're I it's hard to discuss because we did watch them in a chunk. To, like, discuss it sort of, like, chronologically. So do you think it does make – I don't really know how to – does it make more sense to do it by, like, storyline by storyline? I think let's let's do it character by character. Because I feel like storyline by storyline, so much happens, and it's just, like, it's going to get repetitive. So let's do character. So, So yeah. Agnes, I think you and I are on the same page where it's just, like – it's an interesting story. I'm curious to see where they take it, but, like, I'm not – I'm not okay. Like we'll see where they take it, but like I agree with you that it is it's very just, repetitive of the first season. It's repetitive of the first season. It's setting up a a parallel between the Borg Queen and and Agnes that I don't know that it's it's earned. So like Agnes and Picard have stayed on the ship. Like they go back in time. They're in yeah. what twenty four hundred? No, when are they? Twenty twenty four. Twenty 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 four. Yeah. Um. So just a few years from now. And there's something that is going to happen soon that changes the course of the future to end up in that dark future. So Rafi, Chris, and um, Seven Seven. go off to try to find this Watcher. And Picard and Agnes stay on the the ship to try to channel, I don't know, fix the ship or whatever it is. Basically fix the ship and like see if they can bring the Borg Queen back online. And get more information from her. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they, she has information they need in terms of how to, where to find the watcher, like what the date is that something goes wrong, whatever it is. And part of that, the way they do it is connect the Borg Queen to Gerardi. And so she- Because they can't connect her to Picard because Picard knows his, or the Queen knows Picard's mind and will be able to assimilate him immediately, whereas Gerardi yeah. has a chance of resisting her for longer. Yes. Um, and so that happens, It's it kicks off over the next several episodes, a long back and forth between Gerardi and the Queen because the Queen is mesmerized by Gerardi's ability to basically, like, one-up her, right? The Queen mm-hmm. thinks that she holds all the cards and Gerardi is like, actually, this was a two-way street. I got the information mm-hmm. I needed from you. Um, and then the Queen is like, oh, you've impressed me. And it's yeah. very weird. It's like, I don't... I just... It's done well, Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand why. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, no, I get it because you don't find Gerardi, and I'm not saying that you're wrong about this, but you don't find Gerardi that compelling. So why does someone like the Borg Queen find her that compelling? Like, I think there's an element of that there. Yes. We're told a lot about Gerardi without being shown it necessarily. Yes. And that's been a problem yes. of the show. Um, and this is, she is not by any stretch of the imagination, the first person to resist the Borg Queen. There's two people on the ship that have both come out, right? like fought with the Borg Queen and come out ahead. So yes, I do agree with you there. That being said, Annie Wershing as the Borg Queen is so good and so weird and so Horrifying. creepy. Oh my God. Horrifying. And then they're She's fantastic. Like, so at some point Picard has to leave. Uh, because mm-hmm. they get the information. They can't get in touch with the rest of their um, shipmates. And so he goes off to find the Watcher. And Gerardi's left alone with the Borg Queen. Yeah. There's some back and forth. She needs her help to, like, get the communicators back online. She she continues, it seems, to hold the upper hand until she leaves the Borg Queen alone on the ship. And yeah. goes to, like, sleep at Picard Manor. And I texted you and I was like, I would simply put a bag over the poor queen's head. Yes. And put a bag over her head. Yeah. (laughs) But But the the poor queen managed to access this, uh, like, like 2024 cell network, places a call to the police, pretending like she'd heard a, she was some woman who'd heard a scream Mm -hmm. um, at Picard Banner, and a cop shows up and basically comes face to face with the board queen. Borg Queen takes him hostage and then basically makes Gerardi choose between like letting her kill the hostage and becoming like letting the Borg Queen assimilate her basically. I just didn't I didn't understand this either okay why didn't like this is where I'm getting frustrated I think with this whole storyline is like Gerardi's hesitation here When you're faced with this, like, we're supposed to believe that she is so shaken. But to me, it was just frustrating and another sort of, like, tick in the box against Gerardi, which I already have from the first season. That I'm I'm holding on to that frustration from the first season because I don't think they've earned their way out of it yet with her. And so now it's just another moment where I was like – like, I was, like, yelling at my screen. I was like, just fucking shoot her because she has a shotgun in her hand. Yeah. And she hesitates enough and gets close enough. Yeah. We find out at the end of the the fifth episode that the Borg Queen is able to like put her freaking creepy little filaments inside Gerardi's face. Yeah. So basically, we're not so here's the thing. We're not sure if she is in the process of assimilating her or simply transferred her consciousness to Yeah, I don't know. Gerardi. So we don't know that. Yeah, and that's like kind of where that's what we that is basically the arc Gerardi is on when the Fifth episode do we, ends. Do we think it's too similar to the first season? I don't love it. Right? I will say that. Like, there's just, it is, why are you doing, it's basically the same thing with the same character again. Right? And I'm not sure why, I, I, I don't know. I think, I, I don't know why they made that choice. Um, I'm not really sure. Um presumably they have journeys for the other characters to go on. Seven and Rafi haven't really done much yet. Nope. Uh, Rios's journey is very interesting and we'll talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously Picard's got his own thing going on. So maybe it was just, they needed someone to do this and 
like, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, yeah, I, I, I have some issues. I, I'm not, this is not my favorite storyline. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. agree. Um, all right. So that's all, that's what's going on with Jared. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about I, Chris though. Cause his storyline yes. was super interesting. Um, basically when he, they get beamed off the ship, it's, uh, the Oof. transporters aren't working well. So him, um, Raffi and Seven are all beamed to Los Angeles because they know that the Watcher is there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Raffi and Seven are beamed pretty close to one another, but Chris is kind of beamed, like materializes in midair and like falls. And it's Ooh, a really it's like rough fall. And he's like bleeding out of his nose. And you're like, oh, that's not good. Wakes up in a clinic um, and in like a clinic that caters to, I think, people undocumented immigrants yeah. basically is the uh is the um implication and he mm-hmm. uh he meets teresa a doctor uh teresa a doctor who um is she uh, she runs the clinic and she owns the clinic and she's fantastic i really liked she's, her yeah i liked their interactions a lot like he is like clearly because they have been told like no butterflies right they're like keep a low profile we can't change anything. Everything's already too broken. Like, don't especially don't interact with people. Keep your interactions with the people with a minimum as a, at a minimum, and keep your interactions with the authorities to a minimum. Yep. Like, don't interact with the authorities at all, and or don't attract the notice. And yeah, that that doesn't go well. So he has a concussion, and so he's yep. and his hand is like messed up. He's pretty out of it. He loses his communicator, uh, but Teresa's son finds it. But he doesn't get it back. She kind of puts it at that the front was a desk. Little, that was also that a was little manufactured convenient. for me. Right? That was convenient. Yeah, because Where I was, was just like, like, there's. Just give it to him. It's not yours. Yeah. He's not five years old. You can't just take his things. That was weird. Um, and that was obviously it was just that was just a plot device to. Yes. Um, string out the story a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then they get word that uh, basically the feds are coming to raid the facility and that they need to go um mm-hmm. now and uh because Rios doesn't have papers like he uh and th- this whole thing with identity and papers it's relevant to our society obviously but it also ties back to uh the history what Star Trek says our history is at this point mm-hmm. which um people have been traveling to this time period since like 90s Star Trek so they have their own kind of narrative of how this how this period went and one of the big things was an emphasis on always having your identification always carrying your papers always being like yeah and so there and like the 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 um there's it's a very it's a really interesting history and it actually like scarily parallels our own actual history but so that's kind of why um that's why that is part of i think playing into this as well that history that star trek history along with our own history mm-hmm. but basically ice raids the facility yeah and, and rios realizes he doesn't have his communicator as they're rushing out and so he goes back because he's like well i can't leave that yeah and i think also he doesn't want to leave her there right it's and so he tries um, to like bluff his way sort of being like oh there's a patient in the back doctor and this like shitty ice dude is like yeah sees right through him um, and it's, you know, it, it is what it is. It's showing us like an immigration raid. It's showing us like how horrible this is. Um, 
and what happens to these people, which is they're taken. And if they can't prove citizenship, they're deported immediately. Yeah. Um, and they talk a lot about, and Raffi and Seven are basically spending their entire time on his trail trying to find him. Mm-hmm. And they're told, basically, if you don't find your friend soon, he's going to disappear. He's gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, And that is, like, consistent with, like, Star Trek history, like, the whole thing about, like, Sanctuary City, like, that is, like, basically he'll disappear. Like, there's a lot going on here that's very cool um, that ties into Star Trek history, but also our own history. And Well, because Picard says at some point that this is a history they don't know a lot about. That it's, like, not written of, they just... And so all of them are sort of out of sorts while they're in this right. Rios, I think, the most, um, is the most out of sorts in terms of because he's being treated a certain way. He's, you know, all of these things. Seven, surprisingly, is sort of, like, comfortable. So, okay, so I want to get to her, but I also want to say, so after this time period in Star Trek history, World War Three is coming. Okay. So basically, a lot of records were lost. Like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, cool, I know, cool, right? Cool, yeah, because cool, cool. like, I think about that, I think about that not not often. But anyways, <laughs> so um, so he uh he basically goes to a detention center. Yep. And, and is in prison. Like shitty, a lot of shitty eye stuff. A lot of like just very like the choices they made. Very interesting social commentary, and I'm glad they did it. Um, I think it's yep. very well done. But eventually, of course, he's saved. Like, uh, Rafi and Seven catch up with him and manage to free everybody on the deportation bus and get Rios back. So that's that's really good. But yeah, I think Seven's story is super interesting. And I really wish we were getting more time with her because she is a completely different person without her Borg implants. It's wild. Like, without that baggage, without that physical mark. And I don't think it's that the lack of her Borg implants is, um, is, like, mess, is, like, is, like, it's, like, a, like, changing the person she is. I think, like, it's her, like, it's her, uh, like, conscious mind and unconscious mind knowing that they're not there and they don't mark her as different anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's wild and I really like Jerry Ryan's performance is so good and I She's really great. wish we were getting more attention paid to it. Right? I'm really glad. Yeah, yeah. Um I really we're wish these, there was like tiny hints in the in the moments with Rafi where she's like nobody usually likes me. Like she says these lines, Seven says these lines that imply of like she's enjoying these this time not necessarily because she's enjoying the time but because she's having interactions with people that aren't marred by those things that she believes about herself and yeah and it's just tiny tiny hints though like we're not we're not getting anything further than that right like it's just like a offhand comment here and there and I really wish we were getting more exploration into that because like it is it's got to be like so freeing for her to like her entire life like she was a board drone and then she wasn't but people judged her based on her implants and what they could see Mm -hmm. and now nobody is and people are just taking her as face at face value and it's like it's really fascinating um and i i wish we were we were getting more of her journey um and then rafi right because they're going basically for rafi and seven it's just a lot of action with like Mm -hmm. Hints because Rafi is also having a very exactly a very traumatic storyline with like she's seeing flashes of Elnor and she is like haunted by him 
mm-hmm. and like, like hallucinating she, him literally. Yeah, and I think she had she had seen her role as his like commander on the Excelsior as like protecting him, and she mm-hmm. failed. And she's going through a lot, and I really wish we could see more of both of them. Yeah, because we're getting like hints of Rafi's anger. It's not just like it's her. Her grief is is turning into anger and frustration, right? Where she wants to act. She's furious with Picard for She's furious with choosing him. choosing yeah. the Borg Queen over because they had to reroute the power to the Borg Queen, thus not having the power to save Elnor's life. Um, she is just furious all around, and she is not yep. engaging with Seven in the way that Se- Seven keeps me like, I have your back. Like, I get it. You went through something. And Rafi is like, no, just keep going, keep going, keep going. Like, that to me is we – here's what it is. It's like with Seven and Rafi, we're seeing new story based on what we got of them in season one. There is a progression to their story, right? Yes. And And you can see that they're two women that care about each other and have been in a relationship and are sort of in a – like, you can just – you can see it and you can see how they've grown and how they care for each other and how they know each other really well. And it's just – I wish we were getting more of that. I just, yeah, I agree. I wish the focus wasn't so heavy on the like action and jokey and quippy side because it. This is three episodes, and most of it is that. Most of it is, yeah. for the for them is that, and it it was a little frustrating that we were getting so much repetitive story for Gerardi and then losing the parts that I was like, this is, but I want to spend time here with like, those give two me- because, yeah. Because it's interesting. Like, Rhea's um, got a really great storyline, um, and I would really, I really would, yeah, I would like to see more of, like, what's going on with well, them, too. Even with Rios, though, it's a lot of surface stuff. The thing, the most interesting thing I think happened with Rios, honestly, is when he uh, told that Ice Guard the truth, essentially. Yeah. And he says... Picard, he says, and my admiral, he's like, maybe he's a robot. I don't know. And then he says, because no one will tell me. And I was like, that's interesting. Like that is yeah. clearly there is, that is a pain point for you that I hope we're going to examine later because Rios has sort of been shown to be, you know, he had his like story he went through in season one with having to come to terms with his role and, you know, whatever. Now I think it's getting back the ownership and control of his life basically yeah and so i want to see more of that even yeah and i think with him like i think there's a lot that i'm hoping what will happen because i've seen one episode past where we like i've seen next week's episode so i'm trying not to let what i've seen color what i'm saying right but my hope is that I think a lot of this, a lot of this, I'm hoping that a lot of the stuff we're frustrated with is all a byproduct of Picard kind of being Picard and that is all going right. to fall apart. That's my hope. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not saying that based on what I know, but I'm hoping like a lot of these characters I think are like the whole, like not, nobody will tell me, which is like fair. He's the captain. Yeah. He's, like Picard is, there's yeah and i think i think i what i do like and we can move on to him is that picard is getting a reckoning in some ways Ooh, yeah which i really it's like good. like he so he's made this choice for elnor and the queen he has to watch 
like Agnes basically forces his hand a little bit in that situation with the Boar Queen and has to watch it. He makes the choice to like pull her out early when she's saying, no, I've almost got it. I've almost got it. Um, and then he go, he, they get coordinates uh, and they figure out the date because Agnes mm-hmm. is picking up things with 15 on it. So they know they have three days because it's April 12th when they get yep. there and something is going to happen on April 15th. And yep. so he goes to find the Watcher. And this was a lovely moment, I thought. This right? was a lovely moment. Yeah, let's talk about this. Um, he goes to LA to find the Watcher because he gets the coordinates and he's outside 10 forward again. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, he walks in and it's Guinan, but it's a different, a much younger Guinan. Very mm-hmm. different Guinan. Angry. Um, yep. Oh, somebody who's very angry and in a very powerful way, I think. Um, and there's some really good scenes between, between the two of them. And I just want to mention a lot of people have made note, including me, um, of the fact that Guinan and Picard have met before this. So it's very interesting that they have chosen. Huh? Yeah. So in the sixth season, I believe, of Next Generation, the entire crew. Enterprise crew gets transported back in time to the 1800s and they meet Guinan there. So, yeah, because Guinan was living on Earth during that time period. So, technically, she should have recognized him. And what I think is happening here is with all this mess with the timeline, that because that future doesn't exist, maybe they never Uh, went back in time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because the next generation future doesn't exist. They never went back in time or just the rules of time travel are different in this time. Like whatever, whatever the case that didn't happen. But I wanted to mention that because people have been talking about that. I think in a show like Star Trek, you don't have to be super strict about the rules of time travel. Like I think it's fine to let it serve the narrative. Um, And clearly in this case, them not having met serves the narrative. And I don't remember the name of the actress who played Guinan, but she was fantastic. She was um, very good. She, she was, was very, very good. Very really good. captured the essence, I think, of the way Whoopi Goldberg played the character, but also much more emotional, which mm-hmm. I appreciated and was, I think, appropriate to the character. So Guinan is about to leave Earth for good. She's just so fed up with humans. She's fed up with the prejudices and the hate and humans destroying our own world. Um, There's a really, really good moment where Picard is like, just, he he says something to the effect of just give it time. And she's like, that's a luxury that someone like who looks like you has and not somebody who looks like me. Um, Yes. Which is a very good line. And I'm glad they said it because. Well, yeah, it's lecturing this young black woman about like, give humanity another chance like really like so i'm really really mm-hmm. glad yeah um the actress's name is ito gaiera gaiere um, she's so good she's very very good and i i agree with you i liked this scene a lot basically picard is coming to her to he's like something you do something is supposed to help but he won't tell her his name, his name. he won't tell her when he's come from um, he gets her attention, obviously, by being like, I know you're not human. Like, I know this I know this much about you. Um, finally, what ends up, because he's like, just stay for like three days then. Just stay and wait and see if there's something we can do. Finally, she's like, nope, I'm not doing it. She's getting in her car. And he's like, my name is Jean-Luc Picard. And that flips yeah, something. Yeah, and we don't head. really know because she doesn't know who he is, but we find out later 
the reason that Picard, the name Picard stopped her yep. in her tracks. She and she sets up a meeting with him with the Watcher, which is a super like weird and interesting scene. Like, yep. like making sure he's not followed. And then he meets the Watcher, who is Orla Brady, who plays Laris, but she's human and. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. I don't know if it's just, just supposed to be a coincidence that they look alike. I'm not sure what, or I, I'm not sure. I, or or, or Logarity is great and they right? to use her again. Or if, if, if it's supposed to. But they call too much attention to, to it, right? There if it's supposed to, to remind Picard. I'm guessing it's supposed to be like a trigger for Picard to like confront his feelings about Laris maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Who yeah. knows? Anyways, they look a lot alike. And so, and then the, basically the next episode is them just basically sitting in her apartment mm-hmm. uh, in Lair, or Talyn is her name, sitting in Talyn's apartment, talking about the person that Talyn is a watcher and she is assigned to protect. And the way they bring that in, uh, they basically bring in an original series episode called Assignment Earth, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um which had a character called Gary Seven, who's also a watcher. And I thought that was a cool callback. Um, yeah, yeah. need to know if you, um, if you haven't watched it. But basically, there are these watchers that are assigned to protect certain threads within the timeline to protect the overall timeline. And she doesn't really know the bigger picture she's protecting, but she knows the thread. And that thread is Rene Picard, who is Jean-Luc Picard's ancestor, who is about to embark on a, mich- a space mission to Europa that's basically going to change the world. Yeah. Um, uh, I had a lot of feelings about her being 24 year old and going on like being the like only per- going on like this groundbreaking mission because I'm like that would never happen. Yes. Yeah. But like not that young people don't have something to contribute that just like the the space flight experience would not she just would not have had enough be, time to, yes. to build up that kind of space flight experience. But anyways um, actress is really good who they have playing She's her. great. Um, uh, we see her one once before at the end of the fourth episode she's like yes. reading a book she's walking out of the library i was like what is happening who is this yep. lady uh she's like reading this book sitting outside and we see q watching her mm-hmm. and he's saying and he's like, like talking under his not yeah, really under his breath weird. but just like it's super weird like just like, like basically just narrating the thoughts just that are supposed it, right right narrating the thoughts that are supposed to be like put into her head and mm-hmm. like then like and basically negative thoughts encouraging herself to like quit the mission basically and yeah. to like give into her own fear of failure and fear about herself and then he snaps his fingers and she starts laughing and nothing happens and he's like so that's not good <laughs> this is a clue that Q that there is something indeed wrong with Q yes his powers are not working the way they're supposed to um and then well, so then we go back to Picard in the next episode in this apartment with uh, this woman. And they're, he's like, I don't know what's happening, but it has something to do with her and and uh, making sure she gets on this mission. They watch a therapy session with her. Yes. Which he's like, this is not okay. And the lady's like, shut up. <laughs> and yeah. uh, whoever the therapist is, is like asking these leading questions to Renee. And of course- Picard is like, show me the therapist. And it's Q. Yeah. So Yes, Q, which was a really nice twist. Yeah. So great. Q does not want this mission to happen. Right. Obviously. And this is how like, he's going to change history. This is the thread he's going to pull to change history to stop yeah. her from being on the mission. And Talyn asks the question we're all asking was, if he's omnipotent, if he's all powerful, why is this how he's changing history? Yeah. 
And Picard Which is like, is I don't we know. All have. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then there's well, so then one, they have th- this like. Well, they 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 decide there, right? That they have like there's like 15 hours into they just have to keep her on mission for 15 hours. Um, there's a very funny Until line where he's quarantine. like, "Can we just give her a sedative?" And she's like, "No, she has to go to this gala." I was laughing so hard because I was like, "I love." Can we just knock her such, out? Like, it's just like a fanfic trope of like, let's throw a big party. Everybody's gonna get all dressed up really nice. Um, I and appreciate, so they, it, by the way, that they do this every season. Like last season, it was like going to like the planet, yeah. and they all dressed up in those ridiculous clothes. Yes, like I do yes, appreciate yes. they do this every season. I love it. I love it. Um, because basically, they're like, okay, so we have to figure out a way to um, get in this gala, like protect her, and don't interact with her. But it's of course, in say, to your point about this, like identity and security, like. It is intensive, intensive security at this place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically they have to get, they can get somebody into the party, but once they're in the party, there's continual facial, mo- like scan monitoring. Yeah. So they have to, basically they can get one person in, but that person has to then get into the surveillance room and upload their, um, their identities to the, mm-hmm. to the facial recognition system. So Agnes is the one who does that. And when she gets she gets flagged by surveillance um, and like handcuffed in the security office, and that's when you see basically the Borg queen sitting next to her, who's in her head, and that's how you know. Yep. That's when you find out that basically the Borg queen is in her head, whether she's being assimilated or because who knows. when the when um, Seven and Rafi and Chris get back to the ship, they see the aftermath, which we did not see the scene of her shooting the Borg queen. We just see her pulling the trigger, then it cuts. And when the they blood. get back to the ship, they're like, she's like, I've I've got I've ruined our chance to get home. Like the Borg Queen is like so easy, like surprisingly easy to kill, et cetera, et cetera. She's like covered in blood. It's very traumatic. Um, but so for a while we're thinking that she killed the Borg Queen, even though we didn't see it, so we know there's something off. Now, yeah. so that that episode ends with Gerardi sitting in the surveillance room with the Borg Queen, the image of the Borg Queen next to her. The only other thing I think we have to really talk about is Q and uh, and Adam Sung. Okay, yes. So we discover. Okay, so and then randomly, kind of the same way they randomly introduced Renee Picard, we see Brent. We hear Brent Spiner's voice, and it's like, yeah. wait, what? Okay, okay, familiar voice. Let's pay attention. So Adam Sung, who, if you'll remember in episode two, there was a hologram of him outside of Eradication Day. Um, And he was saying like a human universe is a safe universe or something like something Something shitty like like that. that. So clearly, like, so he's presenting to a committee um, with Leah Thompson on it, which is fun. Well, that was funny I saw her name as the director and I was like, wait, like Leah Thompson, Leah Thompson? And Mm -hmm. then it was. (laughs) Caroline in the City. Yeah, Marty, um, Marty's mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's presenting to a committee about basically, you, essentially, what is essentially eugenics, like genetic yeah. engineering to create perfect humans, really shitty, really terrible stuff. And yep. this all connects into what we see in Star Trek Enterprise, which is his descendant, Eric Sung, who was also working on this kind of like shitty research. Um, and this all ties into uh, 
like basically what are the eugenics wars in Star Trek history and Khan Noonien Singh, who is Khan, like the Wrath of Khan, like he was a genetically engineered by Jesus. this move. Like, so this all really ties in to Star Trek history. Um, yeah. And it's very like, it's a very big deal um, in terms of like Star Trek history because like basically eugenics was banned and like she says it at one point like you violated the shenzhen convention uh which is presumably a ban- like I-, I don't know that from star trek history but i'm presuming that that's some sort of ban on eugenics yeah um so basically he's advocating for genetic engineering and then he reveals he has a daughter at home who uh her has a genetic defect and that's why he's doing this she has a genetic yeah. defect uh, she can't breathe any dust. Uh, UV light is deadly to her. And that's his motivation. And like right there you see like, okay, this guy's going to become a bad guy. And the way he's going to become a bad guy is through his vulnerability with his daughter. So he goes home driving his fancy Tesla to his like fancy house, comes home and the daughter who we recognize is played by Issa Briones, who is, mm-hmm. uh, her name's Corey in this, but she's the same actress who plays Soji. Um, and, you know, talks to his daughter about, like, you know, basically, like, is, like, yeah, setbacks. And he's, like, dejected and stuff like that. But then he gets an interesting message on his computer that is a bunch of research. And it prints out Q's business card and says, call me. Yeah. Apparently, if you call that number, it's actually, like, a recorded message from John Delancey. Is it? Ah, about how you've reached the Q continuum. And, like, yeah, it's really cute. That's fun. Um <laughs> So he calls and sets up a meeting with Q and Q basically gives him a cure and is like, I'm going to call in a favor at some point, but you take this home and you see if this works. And it does. And it does. For a brief amount of time. For a very brief amount of time. Um, it works like Soji's, or sorry, uh, Quarry is able to like get outside and swim, but then she's like, her skin starts turning black and she starts clearly like having issues. And, it's interesting because he immediately covers his yard with a shield that looks exactly like the shield surrounding Earth in yep. the Confederation future. Mm-hmm. And then gets her back inside and gets in touch with Q. He's like, okay, but I need a permanent version of this. This is clearly like temporary. And he's like, I have that. But the price is I need you to stop Picard. He does not specify yep. which Picard. No, he says, what does he say? Does the name Picard mean anything to you? Yeah. So it's going to be like, he's going to have to interfere with Picard, but we don't know which one. We don't know which one. It's all very stressful. Everything Mm -hmm. is very stressful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's, I think. I think that's everything. Yeah. Right? He also tells, um, tells, uh, tells Adam that he has, like, he's facing certain limitations, which we. Yes. Which, Which we, we know, know already, but like it's 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 just really interesting. I feel like it's that's so... one of the most interesting things of this season that we don't know anything about. Like, what in the world? And to be fair, we're only halfway through the season, but like, what in the world is going on with Q? And he's clearly like discomfited by it. But then yeah. it's like, why are you trying so hard? Like, why is he try- like timeline? like what? Yeah, what is? Yeah, what's the goal here? What's going on here? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I really, I really like the season. I like where it's going with the exception as, as we talked about, like the Gerardi stuff is a little bit tired and I would really like to see a different focus. Mm -hmm. But uh, that being said, I do. um, It's fun. 
yeah, it is fun. Right? It's, it's fun, fun. And I'm enjoying watching the episodes even when they're stressful. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, although I do have to pause it a lot. Yes. Like it's it's a lot of pausing on my end and being like, okay, take a breath. Take a minute. Yeah. Then you can come back to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, well, how many, there are eight episodes in the season? There are 10. So we were halfway through. So we may do another after maybe episode eight and then do like the last two, or we may, depending on like what happens and if there's stuff to talk about, or we may just do the last five. The latter half. Together. Um, okay. Well then more to come on that. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. What are you doing? Uh, still doing my Wired column. I've got a new one coming out next week. Um, someone very nicely reached out to me to ask if Wired had fired me after I wrote my Elden Ring column that got a lot no, of- Oh my um, God. Yeah, got a lot of hate. Uh, but no, no, I did not get fired. I just opted not to do a column last week because life was stressful. Um, I am still writing there, so I have a column coming out next week. Oh yeah, I was, to be fair, it was somebody, it was somebody like concerned. Okay, like, okay, I hope, okay. I hope they didn't like, I'm not like, no, 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 my, my editor, to be fair, and to be clear- the second I pitched this column, my editor was like, I would be a bad editor if I didn't, I know you know this, but if I didn't tell you, you are going to get a lot of hate over this. And hmm. I appreciated him saying that, but like, I also knew. Um, and uh, I've got my book. I'm still, I'm working on yeah. that. I've got, uh, I'm working on the first chapter now. My book on stargazing coming out from Chronicle Books next fall. Um, what else am I doing? Pick hard recaps. Yes, I am doing Picard recaps. I'm really <laughs> bad at this. Uh, yeah, I'm doing Picard recaps over at StarTrek.com. And uh, uh, I'm still doing science communication on TikTok and having a lot of fun with that. Um, I am still doing Tarval and her bust with Jen Northington for Wheel of Time. Yes. Um, my Spider-Man book is still available for pre-order. I am still working on the pre-order campaign, which will be stickers. I just have to sit down and do it, and I just haven't yet. But you, you, there will be stickers at some point, so purchase it. Just hold on to the receipt. Um, and then next week, uh, I am in conversation with E.K. Johnston for the launch of Queen's Hope, her latest so Padme Amidala novel. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be that's fun. Really exciting. Uh, she is so Tuesday. fun, too. She's so fun, and she knows Star Wars so well, and she knows Padme so well. Um, yes. And so that is Tuesday, April 5th. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, okay, what are you into? I just started a new audiobook because I finished Light Years from Home by Mike Chen, which was fantastic. Really good sci-fi kind of family literary story. Very, very good. So I just started You Can Go Your Own Way by Eric Smith, who is a very dear friend. Uh, But also, this book is so fantastic. Like, And it's really funny because it's narrated by um, great audio production. Um, It's a two POV book, uh, the the young man and the young woman the teen teenagers and um so they have two narrators which is great um nice a male and female narrator yeah it's really nice but the male narrator sounds like eric oh my god so it's so funny like he just sounds a little bit like there's like just some of the like same intonations and the way they pronounce things it's very similar so it just makes me laugh i feel like eric's reading me a book um i believe i think it's like sunil moholtra or something is the male narrator he's really good um but anyways Really fun, really great, uh, really great, really great production. And I'm really enjoying it. Um, and then I just watched the first episode of the Halo series last week. Um, I am not a Halo. 
I don't want to say like I'm not a Halo fan as in I don't enjoy it, but I just don't know. I don't know much about it. But yeah. my husband is a huge Halo fan, so we of course watched it. I I liked it. Um, I think. I, it was interesting. Um, I think they did a good job. Like pilot episodes are always rough, but yep. I, I think it it was it was it was it was enough to make me like well, I'm like okay, I'll keep watching this. There's a very weird, like the opening was weird. There was a lot of like death and slaughter, which I mean I guess you, you I mean it's expect with Halo, more, but right? yeah, but um, it's really interesting because like Master Chief and this young uh, Asian woman is kind of the uh, like a kind of a refugee situation. Um, and she is going to be a major character, which I was really oh, happy cool. to see. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I like it. It's good so far. It's interesting. I don't, right. I, I, I'm not going to recommend it because I don't know a anything about Halo and B it might end up being terrible. And so I'm like, I'm not <laughs> jury still out, but I did, I did. The first episode was interesting enough for me to want to watch it. Keep watching it. <laughs> Let's put it it's that on way. Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like it popped up. It. I. We had a conversation about this where we were both like, we are not. We were not. When Halo came out and when Xbox came out, we very starkly felt we were not the targeted, like the target demographic, and so the like, controller was literally too big for my too hands. Big. So I'm- this is not made for me. Like, like this I'll is never not let it go. Me. Yeah, no. And so I've hated Xbox ever since. Even though the controllers are much more nicely sized now. It no, was but I will. They were. Yeah. Yes. Like, I'll never forget going to a friend's house because they're like, oh, I got an Xbox. Da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And then I was like, I can't even hold this controller. Yes. I'm not and like, the it's like demo. very clear who they had in mind as the target audience versus Sony and their like small PlayStation yeah. controller. Or like Nintendo. Like, yep. And so it's just like, okay. Okay. Although the N64 controller was a mess as well. Oh, I loved it. Oh, I hated it. Um, I loved it. Um, but, uh, that yes, but that said, yes. Um, what are you watching right now? Okay. So first I want to start off is there's an, there's a series that DC is putting out right now called DC versus the Vampires. And okay. I am traumatized by the last issue. <laughs> I can't, I'm, there's a panel in the last issue that is two panels. One that's going to haunt me for a long time. And one that's like everyone reading it was like, I have learned something about myself today. Like, I don't want to spoil it, but basically it's literally what it, the book is literally what it sounds like. It's DC superheroes versing, versus a vampire threat, but the vampires have infiltrated superheroes. So okay. at the top of the book, they don't know who is a vampire and who isn't, but mm-hmm. Batman knows there's a threat and he like knows all of his family are safe. He like, makes like all the Robins and everybody go through tests to make sure they're not vampires. In the sixth issue, they reveal who the Vampire King is. And again, I'm not going to spoil it, but I am. <laughs> I like gasped out loud. I was like, it's been such a long time since I've read a comic. Like, it's so good. It's Matthew Rosenberg is writing and the art is great. Um, I I cannot recommend it enough. It's so bizarre. It's so good. It's so dark and like heart wrenching. And I just want everyone to read it because I was like, I need to talk about this with someone. As soon as we uh as soon as we stop recording, I'm gonna make you tell me who the vampire king is. I will. I will tell you. I will tell you everything. I you're I and then I'm gonna send you the panels. And okay, okay, yes, please do. Yes, yes, please do. Okay. That um, sounds good. So DC versus Vampires. And then over the weekend, uh last weekend, I watched 
Star Trek Starstruck season two. I can't remember if mm-hmm. we talked about Star Trek season one on. I honestly, I saw you tweeting about it, and I don't think I remember hearing. Like, I was like, I don't think I've ever heard of that show, so I don't so, think so. It's this sort of like auteur show on HBO Max, um, written by this. Uh, I believe she's like an indigenous woman from New Zealand, and she's a comedian. She's so funny. It's the first season is basically she plays this like woman in London who's like late 20s, like doesn't have her shit together. It's New Year's Eve. She's at a bar. She meets a guy, this handsome Indian guy named uh, the actor's Nikesh Patel, who we love um, on the show. His name is Tom Kapoor. And she goes home with him and she wakes up in the morning and they have a great time. It's very sweet. She wakes up in the morning to find out that he's like a super famous action, super like movie star. And she's just like a normal human. <laughs> like it's like where she leaves the house. She like sneaks out of his apartment because she's like, what the fuck is going on? She sneaks out of his apartment and the paparazzi are outside and she's like, oh, oh my she's God, like holding up a so bag. Cute. And they're like, oh no, it's just the cleaning lady. <laughs> it's so funny. The show is so good. It's and so the second season came out. Um, it's like I put it if you like like it's romantic comedy. It's clever. It's like if you liked Lovesick, which is one of my favorite, favorite romantic comedy series of the last like five. Now I don't know when it's been 10 years, I guess, um, which is on Netflix. Like this is perfectly in line with that. Like great okay. friendships. Oh, what well, if, if I if I have like not watched anything since like the late 90s? Can you get like there is a I will say she has a great uh, lake house reference in the second season. Okay. Okay. I saw that. I did watch that. Um, so, no, I actually really want to watch this. Like, you are making it sound so really good. fantastic. And they're, the episodes are, like, 20 minutes. And there's mm-hmm. six six episode seasons. So you can get oh, through it in okay. an afternoon. Okay, so, like, like, I can watch it, like, today while I'm eating dinner. Yes. 100%. Okay. okay. It's so good. It's, it's okay, okay. so good. That's fantastic. Um, okay. So, I'm going to watch this. I paired that, though, with Our Flag Means Death, which is also on HBO. Which I really want to see. Oh, my God. It is also, like, so it's a, a Taika Waititi um, produced, I believe, produced show. Uh, he's in but it, it's too, right? He's also in it. And it is about this man named Steed Bonnet, who's played by Reese Darby's, who we may know from Flight of the Concords or the What We Do in the Shadows movie playing the werewolves. Uh, not swear wolves and he wants to be a pirate but he's a gentleman he doesn't know anything about it but he just gets a ship and he calls himself the gentleman pilot and he has like a ragtag crew who kind of hate him but of course it's found family sort of and then Taika is playing Blackbeard Mm -hmm. and it's just I was ready for like a goofy kooky like sort of pirate show but it's deeply moving and like surprisingly emotional and romantic and it was just really wonderful on so many levels like it is very 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 funny like it is still very funny but there is this like emotive thread that runs through it that I was just not anticipating from a show like this and so Mm -hmm. I was so like I don't I like I don't want to spoil anything but there is a moment that happens in like I want to say the end of the seventh or eighth episode that I know like, what I think I know what you're stopped. talking about yeah because here my sister drew it and it's like very very sweet oh, it's I've seen a lot of gifts of it where you're just like I was like oh my god like my heart my yeah. heart is like breaking right now it's so good uh so yeah both those shows highly 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 recommend starstruck 
and Our Flag Means Death, both on HBO Max, both complete seasons. Our Flag Means Death only has one. Starstruck has two. Go to town. Pick it up. Yes. It's so good. So we are part of the Hard Knock Podcast Network. Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. Wow, I am just out of it today. We are part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's N-O-C for Nerds of Color. Uh, quick shout out to Keith doing an interview with my brother Vinny Chibber and introducing him as Preeti Chibber's brother. That's how we all know him. <laughs> it made me laugh really hard. Uh, thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you to Meredith and Rita at the $12 level and Amber, Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Claire, Brian, Robert, Chris, the Knott family, Bria, Geshev, Ruth, and Gavita at the $5 level. You can come over to Patreon at patreon.com slash Girls. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Girls. I am at runwithskizzers, S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S on everything. I am at S Krishna on Twitter and Instagram and at Swapna underscore Krishna on TikTok. Uh, and until next time. Until next we'll time. We'll see you. We will see you in hell. In hell! <laughs>